I admire others and their stories. I admire conscious connections. Getting to know people and learning from them in small and big ways. <laughs> Here's to connecting with others and sharing their stories and experiences from their mouths to your ears. This episode is brought to you by Anchor. If you haven't heard of Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Like anybody can do it. It has everything you need in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When you host on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so much more. It is everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app today or go to anchor.fm to get started with your own podcast. I'm excited to listen to yours. Now here is mine. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Let's Chat with JVax. I have my awesome friend here, Jimmy, with us. Jimmy, how is it going? It's great. It's, it's a lovely <laughs> evening here in Dallas, Texas. How are things on the west side of the world? Beautiful. I actually just came back from a sunset, so I am Lovely. ready. <laughs> nice. You're all zinned out and ready to go. It's like pitch black here. It's 830, <laughs> but you know, we're good. It's pretty dark here now. So okay. that's why I, have, I have all the bright lights are on in my room. You would never know. You're go. very well lit. <laughs> Perfect. Well, Jimmy, you know, I've been following along with you since I heard of you last year. And you know, you've been in the fitness industry for 15 years and honestly, you're a true inspiration and thank you in short for everyone who may not know you, you know, Jimmy, you inspire many. And when I talk about you to my friends, I say this inspirational speaker, someone who inspires me. I am so motivated after hearing from Jimmy, I get your text messages every single morning. Oh, you do. That's awesome. Oh my gosh. That makes me smile every morning. And in the very beginning, I, I admit, I watched every single one of them. I took notes on them. I was really driving in. And now with my routine, I choose one to two a week that I will add into my routine and really see what resonates. And honestly, the inspiration just really carries on with, with who you are and what you put out there. And I'm so excited for this episode because I know I'm going to be inspired and I know so many others are going to be inspired after this releases. Thank you so much. I'm stoked to be here. And it, it makes me really happy that, that you plug into the text messages because it's one of those things that I started. It's been about a year. It's been a, yeah. right about a year. And so you just never know who's plugged in, who's actually watching those videos. And I'm sure as we get into the story, we will talk about the origin of that and why it's so important to me. But um, I really do appreciate that because when you're like, when I talk to my friend, I'm like, oh, I'm a topic. So just to be <laughs> told I'm a topic of conversation, um, yes. I really appreciate that. Well, and I think you just mentioned story. And I know I've heard you've been called the story guy. So that leads me to our start. What's your my story, story, Jimmy? Yeah. <laughs> Holy smokes. My story <laughs> begins in the first grade, which seems a long time ago now, but I grew up, so I'm in Dallas now. I grew up in West Texas, in Lubbock, Texas. And when I look back on like, where did this Coach Jimmy journey begin? It literally was first grade. Because in first grade in Lubbock, Texas, my elementary school, which was Murphy Elementary, um, the entire school was doing like a Christmas play. And each grade got to do a different like number or presentation. And in my first grade class, we were doing a musical number. And the musical number was called Too Fat for the Chimney. And it was how Santa Claus was not going to be able to give presents to all the kids that year because he had gotten too fat for the chimney. (laughs) And so, you know, I'm probably, I'm aging myself a bit here. This was, you know, early, mid eighties, probably I was, you know, before many of your listeners were born, but there was before there was like a childhood obesity epidemic, right? Mm -hmm. I literally was the only fat kid in my class. And I don't know this was a fact, but I, I just remember knowing that I was the only kid that I knew whose parents were divorced. So as this fat kid from a broken home, not a whole lot of confidence, but for whatever reason, like when they announced this, this musical number, I'm like, it's about fat Santa Claus. Like, this is my jam. Like, I think I'm going to be Santa Claus. 
And of course, they gave the role to my best friend, Justin Martin, who is the skinniest kid in class, ironically. And they wrapped a bunch of pillows around him and they stuck him in a Santa Claus outfit. And then he and like the rest of my friends, they put the rest of my friends in kind of this like 1980s jazzer size gear with like the headbands and the leg warmers. And so all of them upstage was his furthest away from the audience, literally doing like an aerobic step routine, trying to get Santa in shape. Me. My sweet granny, may, her, may she rest in peace. She made me like a onesie feety pajamas thing where like the, the feety pajamas that zip yes. up with yes. the stupid stocking cap. And I even had like the little drop bottom thing in the, <laughs> at the, in the butt. Yes. Right, it's ridiculous. Um, so they pushed me to the edge of the stage and have me sing the solo Too Fat for the Chimney. And I'm, I'm looking out at like, all my peers, it's like, so in elementary school, then it was like first grade through sixth grade. So it's like mm -hmm. the cool fourth graders and the fifth graders. And there's the, oh, there's the really old sixth graders. And I just could feel my heart like up in my throat. Mm. And I just took a deep breath and it was, he's too fat for the chimney, too fat for the chimney. And I saw somebody nod and I saw somebody smile. And I swear that was the first time I got like a positive emotional response from a peer group. And I look back on it and I think, oh, that really was the first time in my life I knew I was supposed to get an emotional response from an audience, whether that was a physical stage, whether that was film and TV or performing or something just like this, talking to you, talking to your audience. But you know what's crazy is that when we have something in our life where we, we know we've been given a gift or we know we've been designed for something and, and we kind of tap into it for the first time and we think, wow, that was kind of badass. And then we immediately start making a list of reasons we'll never do it, or we're not going to be good enough, or somebody's already in that space, or somebody's going to do it better. I mean, like, think about you, like, you know, you're going to step into this podcast. It'd be really easy to be like, and I've watched your videos, you're really good at what you do. But I bet there's a voice at one time that said, how many podcasts are there already? People already have a bigger, like, we make these lists. And for me as a kid, then it was like, you're this fat, insecure kid, who knows if you sing okay, or if you don't. Uh, and then as I, and then I wanted to, as I got older and I wanted to perform and I wanted to go like study with the best people, this real seed of resentment got put into me because it was like this victim mentality is really what I call it. And what I got really good at doing was explaining why other people were having success and I wasn't like, oh, well, you don't get it. Like um, I'm having to work two jobs and try to go to college, or I can't go audition for the schools that I want to because my parents aren't paying for this, or I, it's not my fault. I'm overweight. I'm from West Texas. My mom's making Mexican food every night. Do you see the way? Like nothing was my fault. And I didn't look at it as complaining. I was just explaining, like, let me explain to you. Let me justify my way. So therefore it took it off me. Right. So it, like it, it, when I look back on it, it's just a defense mechanism. So I didn't feel bad about where I was. And I kept, I kept trying to do things. And every time like this, the people around me or the situation wasn't going well, I literally would physically leave, like started school here in Dallas, took off to Oklahoma, ran out to Florida until I was in Florida. My mom calls me trying to go to school in Florida. I'd spent a couple of years working at Disney world, had tried to go back to school. And my mom calls and says, Hey, Jimmy, um, we're worried about you. We see all these like collection bills and credit card bills and like all these unpaid things um, piling up here at the house. And we think you should come home. And I wanted to like bow up and be like, no, this is my dream, mom. And this is, I'm going to keep going. And I just surrendered in that moment. I was like, okay. And so I found myself in my early 20s, 100 pounds overweight a three-time college dropout, moving back in with my parents at 22 years old back here. And by then they'd moved from Lubbock to Dallas. So we moved mm -hmm. here and I, and any dream inside of me to be that little boy, to be that kid on stage and to, to perform and whatever, I didn't know in what way it was supposed to be for me. I thought it was acting initially, you know, and as a musical theater major, and I thought that's what I was supposed to do. But when I moved back home, all that died. Like I didn't have a dream anymore. I was bartending and waiting tables here in Dallas. And I literally would like wake up every day and just think, how am I get through the day? Like how am I just, it, there was nothing to be excited about. It was just survival mode. Mm 
right? And I remember, and I was sleeping in like super late because I, like who wants to wake up to a life you're not looking forward to, right? So I would sleep as much as I could. And I remember one particular day I, I was running late. I had to go work at a shift and I jump up and I rush into the shower. I get out of the shower, I wrap the towel around me. And when you're a hundred pounds over the weight, overweight, you don't spend a whole lot of time like in front of mirrors and towels. Yeah. But for whatever reason that day, like I just, I stopped and it didn't respect the guy looking back at me. And I just thought, who's going to love this? Like, Jimmy, this is your life, dude. And I really think like, I think that was the first time in my life. I took a hundred percent responsibility for where I was. There was like, okay, everything that's gone on in your life, Jimmy is 100% your responsibility and your fault. And up to that point, I, I had never, I had always had a, re, a way to like explain away where I was. So you were taking responsibility for everything that, that you were at that point. Yeah. yeah, And that was, I think that's the first time. Cause I could always explain to you why things weren't going well. Right. I could always talk my way around things or, or justify things or go, Oh no, let me explain to you why this isn't you know, why things aren't going well, or let me explain to you why things didn't work out at the college. And I could tell you other people's, it was other people. It was, it was always everybody's fault, but mine. And I didn't take feedback really well. And I didn't, um, yeah, I wasn't really good at just taking responsibility and just saying, Hey, this is on me. And there are other choices I could have made because I had one way of doing things. And I was really close-minded about looking at things other ways. And it's funny, I, I keep a sticky note here on my, on my computer. And I don't know if you can see that. It says, are you willing to be willing? And it's a reminder to me that in that moment, so I talk about this, you know, this moment in the mirror. And it, mm -hmm. it wasn't like the heavens opened up and lightning crashed and Coach Jimmy was born out of this moment. However, it was a shifting point where I had to be willing to be willing. And what I mean by that is, are you willing to be willing to look at something different? Are you willing to be willing to think differently? Are you willing to be willing to try something different? And what was crazy was when you open up to the universe and say, okay, I'm not going to shut down something immediately because it's different. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to explain, well, that doesn't work or that, you know, something like that didn't work for somebody else. You're just really judgmental and really, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Skeptical, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you're just open to things for a little bit. And so so many of us are just we jump to the skepticism or the fine point, or we overthink things. And so once I decided to make that shift, it was crazy how the universe opens up opportunities, things, and resources that have been around us the whole time that we just weren't open to. And that's when things really started shifting because I'm, I'm like $60,000 in debt and I got maxed out credit cards. And it's not like all that changed, but all of a sudden, and it's not like people hadn't been trying to help me up to this point, I just hadn't been open to it. And that's when I started seeing things around me and baby steps to start making some changes. So right when you saw yourself in the mirror, and I want to say, you know, the fog cleared from the yeah. mirror at that time. Yeah. And what, like, how quick did you start recognizing? Was it that day, that week that people were like, Hey, how about this resource? And you were like, I'm going to latch on that. I'm going to be actually open to this when I used to not be. That's a great question. In fact, I started asking myself. So it's, mm -hmm. it all started with, you know, just being really unhappy physically. So I was like, well, I, I don't really have a whole lot of money to do. What, what can I do? Right. So my parents had a treadmill there in the house. And then I started like taking walks around the block. So mm -hmm. it actually started with making a decision and then taking some physical action on something. Right. And I think that that goes for so many people, like goes for all of us in our lives. We, we think about things we know we should change. We maybe know we should adjust something, whether that's physically, mentally, making a career move, like getting out of what's always been our normal. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it was taking those walks around the block. It was, and then all of a sudden, what I, what I realized is I, I was working with a guy that had been losing a lot of weight and my, my ego just never would allow me to ask him what he was doing. Right. Like you ladies, I, I envy you. Like you guys see things that are working for each other. Like, oh my gosh, what are you doing with your hair? Or where'd you get those clothes or what's working? Like, I don't roll up, you know, guys don't go like, yo, Jeremy, you look pretty good in them jeans, bro. Like, what are you doing? Like we should, 
but we don't. And it, you know, it delays us getting any kind of results. Um, uh, but finally there was, you know, it, the pain point finally got big enough. One of my, one of my favorite, um, my favorite stories, Les Brown, who's one of my favorite speakers. Um, and he gets sent out quite often in those text yeah. messages in the videos. He tells a story about an old man sitting on a porch with his dog and this kid rolls by and this dog is just moaning and groaning. And the kid stops and looks at the, the old man and he's like, mister, what's wrong with your dog? He's like, oh, dog's laying on a nail. And he's like, well, why doesn't he move? He's like, oh, it doesn't hurt enough to move. It just hurts enough to moan and groan. And I feel like that's where most of us live our lives. And that's where I had been to that moment. It didn't hurt enough to change. And I wasn't complaining. God forbid I wasn't. I was just explaining. I was just mm -hmm. saying. And that's, that's the shit we hide behind all the time. Oh, I'm not complaining, but we're giving voice to something that we're dissatisfied about that we probably could do something about. And so finally I asked this dude, I'm just like, yo, what are you doing? <laughs> and he's like, oh, I'm doing these DVDs. And I, he couldn't get the last D out of his mouth. And I'm like, no, bro, I'm not doing your Jane Fonda in-home workouts. Like I told, <laughs> and so, okay, funny lesson there, right? So we see somebody that's having results and doing something in, in their lives that we wish we could do. We're watching them travel a lot. We're watching them create an online business. We're watching them start a side hustle. We're watching them get crazy fit. Maybe we're watching just the energy and like the joy they come out. And so we, then we ask, hey, how did you get that way? And the minute they tell us if it's something outside of what we're already doing, which of course it's something differently than we're already doing because we don't have it. Right. But we shut it down so fast because we're like, oh, that doesn't work. Or I've tried that before. Or, oh, this is why it wouldn't work for me. And this is why it works for you and not for me. Mm -hmm. And that goes back to that victim mentality that I had had. I could explain to you why something would work for you and why it wouldn't work for poor little Jimmy. This like, mm -hmm. oh, woe is me, Eeyore bullshit. Yeah. And, and so finally, and so, okay. So I ask him, he says DVDs. I say no, but I keep watching him. And so there's somebody watching this right now who, you know, is trying to create something or trying to start an online business or create some kind of community. And somebody tells you no, or somebody gives you a hard time about it or go, oh, that doesn't work. Or you're trying to start a business or a side hustle or whatever. I'm going to tell you, keep going. Because had this dude not kept going, I wouldn't have come back around, right? Mm -hmm. He didn't let my no or my judgment of what he was doing deter him because he was getting results. Yeah. It was like, it was working for him. So who cares what I thought? And by that, I kept watching. And then finally I was like, all right, dude, tell me about your in-home fitness workouts. And that's where I was introduced to Beachbody. And that's where that relationship that has been a 15 year relationship with Beachbody started because it allowed me a simple system to do some things at home like, because I tried to go to the gym. In fact, I remember my mindset was so, so messed up that I would take like an old men's health magazine, right? And they would have like a sample workout in the middle of it. And I would take that into the gym. I didn't have a clue what the hell I was doing, right? And I would be like on the other end of the gym. And let's say you and your friend were like on the far, far side. And y'all were just talking to each other and you were just smiling and laughing my mindset was so jacked up. I assumed you were laughing at me, the fat kid in the corner that didn't know exactly what I was doing. And so the opportunity to follow a system at home, you know, there wasn't a whole, obviously there's a gajillion ways that we all can work out at home, whether it's, you know, some of the cool videos you have here on your YouTube channel or something like Beach Buddy on Demand, like I use, or like name your app now. Right. Um, that really wasn't a thing back then, you know? And so for me, it was something new. And so to find that and then to really plug on into an online community earlier and find some, it's crazy, right? Complete strangers online that believed in me before I believed in myself. And sometimes we have to borrow other people's confidence before we find our own. Mm -hmm. Oh, don't I know? <laughs> <laughs> we, yes. all, I st we all do. And in so many other areas of our life, because I think I think even if we get to a part where we, we have a bit of a, a mojo and we've created some momentum mm -hmm. in one area, we all still have areas where we're like, I don't know if I can do that. Or I don't know if I'm ready for that. And you got to borrow somebody else. That's like, do you realize what a badass you are? And you're like, we're, cause we're too close to ourselves and our giftings that we downplayed a lot. 
Yeah. And I've actually been struggling with that a lot lately because I have so many things I do for myself. You know, this podcast, my movement and mindfulness app, I just came out with my meditations. And there's so many times like, am I in over my head? Is this too much? And all of my friends, all of my, the people I keep closest to me are my biggest cheerleaders and literally driving down here to talk to you. I was explaining how I was going to start our conversation. I was ready to go. And I had, I got you on this podcast. And while I was saying this to my friend, I was like, I'm a fucking badass. (laughs) You have to, you literally (laughs) have to celebrate yourself sometimes. Okay. So funny story about (laughs) celebrating ourselves. So people that watch my, uh, my Instagram stories. Yeah. This came up this week. So I was like, this is time that you brought this up. So if you'll watch, like I'll do a set or whatever I'm doing and people were watching enough that like, Hey, Jimmy, when you get done with a set, you like kind of pat yourself on your leg or kind of hit your ass or like, what's that about? And I was like, Oh, and then I got a little embarrassed because I forget (laughs) that I do it sometimes, but I do it enough that people, and I was like, Oh, I know exactly where it comes from. There was there, there's a pastor in um, North Carolina named Stephen Furtick, right? And he's telling this story about how he's really hard on himself about a bunch of stuff. And he's taking these tennis lessons and he's taking these tennis lessons and he's just really focused on all the stuff he's not doing well. And he's like, he's like, that's my personality. I tend to be really, really hard on myself and talk down to myself. And his, his instructor said, Stephen, I understand why you're frustrated with the things that you're not doing well, but you have a really good forehand. He's like, it comes really naturally to you. And he goes, he goes, but I never see you celebrate that. And Steven's like, yeah, it's just not a big deal. Because again, all of us, the things that come naturally to us, we think mm-hmm. it's no big deal because it comes naturally to us. So mm-hmm. we think everybody can do it, right? And he's like, ah, you know, it's just not a big deal. And he's like, no, no, no. If you're going to be that hard on yourself with the things that you're struggling with, we have to find a way for you to acknowledge the things you do well. And he's like, well, I don't want to make a big deal about it and, and draw attention to myself. I don't need a big Tiger Woods fist pump. He's like, okay. Anytime you do something well, just a baby rep, you show up, things go well, just pat your leg, just pat your leg. And for whatever reason, this story really resonated with me because I was like, damn it, I don't do that. Like, I think we all just focus on, so your moment on the way here of going, pause, I'm a badass because I got all this together. That's my little pat the leg. And I'll do it when I'm speaking on stage. I'll walk off stage and have people ask like, would you pat your leg for? And it's just, <laughs> now it's so ingrained in me. But as someone who's lost a hundred pounds, kept it off for well over a decade now, has built a business, businesses over 15 years, the long-term sustainability of success isn't this overnight thing. I think there is a big trap in society right now that I call the all or nothing mentality. Mm-hmm. And it, it's specifically right now at the beginning of the year, when people come in, and want to make a resolution, they try to overhaul everything, right? They like, and, and, and what they say is, well, it, I don't want to start or I'm not going to do this unless I can do it 100%. And it sounds so noble to say that, but it's just a bullshit way to procrastinate because we go, oh, if I'm not going to do it excellent, I'm not going to do it at all. So I'm not going to take action until everything's perfect and I can do it perfectly. And you know, especially with all the things you're doing, it, there is no right time. There is no ready. There is no perfect time. And so we get into this all or nothing and, and people go, Jim, Jimmy, have you done this? Or how did you lose the weight or how? And I was like, because I chose one little thing that I could adjust, you know, ha- Jimmy, you used to sleep till noon every day. I now wake up before 6am on my own with no alarm, but it wasn't because I went from, I'm going to wake up. At, I didn't go from noon to six. I didn't go from what my training regimen is now from the guy that didn't work out at all. My, mm-hmm. my nutrition and the way I eat now didn't go from fast food, Jimmy to the way I eat now. It was little tiny. In fact, I'll tell you, I know, I remember the very first time I ever made an adjustment in a fast food line. Oh, <laughs> okay. To me, this was like the biggest victory in the world. Lived right, next, <laughs> lived right next to a Jack in the box. And I would just get the same like number three all the time. Boom, boom, boom. And so I, this is about the time I'd started the in-home workouts. And so this is what happened. I started, so it was literally like two workouts. You just alternated every other day. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I start seeing a little, a little like results, like five pounds down. It's the first time I'd really stuck with something. And I went from that guy that was just waking up, trying to make it to the end of the day or like 
it was the first time I was excited about something mm. in a few years. It was just like this little bit of like, hey, my pants aren't quite so snug and this is kind of cool, but I'm still eating like shit and everything else. So I remember rolling through that and I'm like, today I'm going to get two chicken sandwiches, hold the mayo, no fries and a diet Coke. And for me, that was like this big step to just go, okay, instead of like the triple burger, the giant fry and the Dr. Pepper, we're going to make a baby step. Mm -hmm. And so somebody that's like super uber fit will look at that meal. I'm like, that's still kind of crap meal, Jimmy. You're absolutely right. But for where I was to where I went was a step. And then when that became new normal, I could take a new step the same way, like waking up 15 minutes earlier, or could I put, you know, could I put four consecutive days of doing a 30 minute workout together? Could it, could I just do that? Because there was so much in my life at that point that felt out of control. Like, can we not all relate with that right now over yeah. the past two years? Pushing play on that DVD, I was like, you know what? There's a lot of shit I can't control right now. I can control whether or not I push that button and the effort I give. Nobody else's fault. I can't blame it on anybody else. And that's where I started shifting to doing things in the morning because I also found that if I had the best intentions to do things later in the day, life has a funny way when you try to step out of your comfort zone of throwing wrenches at you and, and putting the minute, the minute we try to step out and do something bigger, the minute we try to grow in some way, the world has a way to go, oh, she's about to become a badass. Let's keep her in the box. And I, it's called resistance. In fact, there's a book. Oh, one of my I favorite book references. It's called The War of Art, not The Art of War, which is like the old Japanese war book. This is called <laughs> The War of Art. Uh, this guy, Stephen Pressfield, is a playwright, and he, he talks about this, is his struggles having to sit down and making himself right every day. But it applies to anybody that's trying to do something bigger than themselves, right? Whether it's creative, you're trying to start a podcast, you're trying to lose some weight, you want to start the side hustle, you want to get out of that job that's paying the bills but isn't fulfilling you. And he's like, the minute you start that journey, he talks about the role of resistance and how resistance will come push against you. He also says, if you don't like, so if somebody's listening to this and goes, Jimmy, I really don't have any resistance in my life. It's because you're not doing anything. You're not doing anything worthwhile. Right. And, and I hate to break it to you that way. And you may just, cause, I, but I can say it I can say it because it comes from a place of love and it comes from a place of, I know because I've been there. It's not a judgment, but I get it. I didn't have a whole lot of resistance. I just was in a, you know, uh, a, a, a kind of a floating day-to-day -day type things. And I would just, you know, wherever life took me and there was no consistency in my life. I truly believe, and it's so crazy because I was the kid that quit everything. I quit Taekwondo, I quit saxophone, soccer, art, like Anything when it wasn't fun anymore, I'd quit. And it's so crazy that now I become this person and I truly believe this. I enjoy the life of freedom I have now because I chose to become a slave to a few daily disciplines. Mm. And discipline will lead to freedom. And people think it's backwards that I just want to be able to go, wake up and kind of see you go with the flow and see what happens. And I get that. But like the way I start my day determines everything. And it was the minute I started making those shifts that all this other stuff, that, that the opportunity to build a business online and then help other people build businesses online. And then all of a sudden, like the thing I value more than any dollar amount or anything is the fact that my time now is a thousand percent my own. I have this gratitude journal that I wrote in the, in, in how I, I switched to write three things I'm grateful for and three things I'm excited about. Right. Mm -hmm. And I can't tell you how many times on that gratitude one, as I'm like sitting at a coffee shop on a weekday at 9.30 a.m. after a workout, and I'm like, the fact that other people are at work right now and I'm not, the fact that I get to choose how I live my life. And it's not that I don't work, but I get to, my nine to five or whatever you want to call it looks maybe <laughs> differently than somebody else's. And why was that? Because I continued to choose to take one baby step out of my comfort zone over and over again. And then start surround myself with mentors. And that was, I guess the other big piece of that was I had to become coachable. I had to be able to take some feedback and sometimes some not so easy to hear feedback about things I had to change. 
you know, the text I sent out Jim Rohn's on there often, one of his, one of his quotes he talks about all the time, he said, he said, work harder on yourself than you do on your job, you know? And he's like, that's what'll lead to the ultimate fulfillment, that happiness comes from progress. Mm -hmm. And that's where I had to fall in love with this idea of trying to become 1% better every day. I mean, I'm literally getting chills over here. I, I'm almost speechless and I need to be responding to you. No, right you're now. Good. You are really just, blow I mean, everything you're saying, I know I can relate to in so many different ways. And I know so many other people can too, especially when it's the 1% better. That's mm -hmm. something where I've been reading a lot about goals and how to set goals. And especially with the new year, like you mentioned, mm -hmm. and we write so many goals for ourselves. I have fallen into that. Honestly, we're 10, 11 days in and I'm like, holy shit, did I write too many goals for myself? Yeah, I've been there, right. <laughs> and I, when I was reading um, on the goal setting, it was like, write all these goals out. Write that you want to work out six days a week. If mm. that's your goal, write it out. But then cut it in half because you mm. are still getting better and you're still doing more than you probably were doing anyways. That's a great, I hadn't heard that, but that's good because then you can build to whatever that is because you do, we do put all this pressure on ourselves and it goes back kind of this all or nothing thing of, oh, I have to hit all of these things. And we do tend to do that in January. We pick five different areas. I want to be better here and here and here. And then, you know, we're 10 days in and we're, and we're already beating ourselves up. We're like, oh, here's another year and I'm not even getting any better at this. And I love that to just cut it in half. And what's that step? I remember when I was working a whole lot with people primarily on their health and fitness and helping them with in-home workouts and stuff. I would, the question I get all the time is, Hey, Jimmy, I get to day six, or I get to day seven and I'd fall off the wagon, whatever that meant for them. They would either miss a workout, binge eat, drink too much, be hung over, didn't want to work, whatever their thing was. And they would always say, um, should I start over? Mm. And I was like, no. Yeah. And the analogy that I came up with is if you're climbing up a mountain, right? Let's say we're climbing up a mountain and we've made it a week into this monster climb and I make a step the wrong way and I sprain my ankle, right? Like, ah, shit, sprain my ankle. I don't voluntarily roll all the way back down to the bottom of the mountain to start over. I put up a little base camp to heal up for a second. But at that same time, I want to look behind me and go, wow, we've actually come a ways. And it's a little bit of that pat your leg. You got to give mm -hmm. yourself, okay, those four days I put together. Awesome. I've messed up here. And I find that, the difference between successful people and unsuccessful people are not that successful people don't mess up. It's not that they don't fall off the wagon. It's not that they don't blow it completely. It's that they acknowledge it quickly and self-correct. Right. It takes just as much time and energy to feel bad and sulk and beat yourself up and isolate and lose all that momentum. It, it takes just that same amount of energy to go, oh, dude, I messed up. Okay, cool. I'm just going to get right back on track and get right back moving again. And that's, I think that's the biggest difference that I see between people that create momentum and sustain long-term success. But we all mess up. We all are going to, days aren't going to go perfect. We're going to completely blow it in like big ways at times. It's literally that next morning going, boo, man, I blew that. Okay, cool. All right, what are you going to do about it, Nelson? You know, and everybody I've ever mentored or people that I work with, they, they think they can't come to me and, comp and complain, right? Because they know that I, I have this adverse reaction to complaining. But I do say, hey, you got to come vent, come vent. Yeah. Come vent, get it all out. I'm going to tell you, man, that sucks. But they know, they always know that at the end of the conversation, I'm going to say, I'm going to ask one question. And that question is always, so what are we going to do about it? And it's always like, what's the next step? If, if the whole thing is, you know what I get? Like, I just want to be heard. And I just want you to understand and there is a season for that. It's a short season because if not, it's real easy to become comfortable living in that, that mindset for a long time. Right. A disco ball just made a falling. Yeah, we are uh, moving things. Well, we across. are grooving We are here. grooving now. <laughs> when, when the people you mentor come to you or anyone you're talking to comes to you and says, I, I messed up and you say, well, what are we going to do about it? Or what are you going to do about it? Do you let them or do they decide or do you kind of walk them through that? What does that really look like? I usually ask them to see what they think first. Mm -hmm. And if they're really stuck, I will make a suggestion mm -hmm. like, cool. Could you, or what if you just, or what about this baby? You know, it's, 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 
I always ask them first, you know, yeah. so what, what do you think the solution is to change this? And just to see if they're open about it, to see if they're ready for that next step, because then sometimes it's about, it is about nudging and, and it's so it, becoming coachable and be able to take feedback is such a huge skill set. It, it really is a skill that takes no talent. It just, right. it's, it takes a willingness. And I, again, I get this because I was not that guy. And, and when I, when I look back, my best mentors, whether that was voice teachers, acting teachers, personal trainers, business mentors, were not the people, they had this really sweet mix about them, about being encouraging, but not letting me cut cor corners and like rest on my laurels because they saw something great in me. Because they were like, Jimmy, I know what your potential is. And so they would push because they knew there was more in me. And that's what's hard sometimes when you're mentoring somebody or working with somebody. And, and one of my mentors is I started mentoring people. He's mentoring me, right? And I was having a really hard time with it. And he said, he goes, and he, I remember when he said this, I got something flying around in here. I remember when he said this, it pissed me off, but he was absolutely right. Again, sometimes tough love's hard to hear and we don't receive it initially. Right. I look back on it and he said, Jimmy, if this is the line of like really pissing someone off, he's like, you lead from way over here. He goes, because it's so important for you that people like you. And he's absolutely right. Little insecure fat Jimmy still lives in my head. And I just wanted to make sure people liked me. And he said, until you're willing to lead people from right here and occasionally tap that line of upsetting or ruffling feathers, he's like, you will be a better leader here. And he's like, you know what? And there's going to be some times you hit that line and you probably sometimes you're going to overstep. He's like, you always have the opportunity to go, hey, you're, I overstepped there. I just want this, the goals you shared with me, I want so badly for you. I'm willing to push because I see greatness in you. Because the minute I want it more for the person that I'm working for than they want it, it's, it's just bad math, you know? Yeah. And I've also found that accountability only works as long as that permission's given. And the minute the person that you're trying to hold accountable has decided they are no longer open to that, things get ugly real quick because you're trying to be like, Hey, you said this, or you wanted to do this because, or you wanted to start this business to help your mom. It's usually something they want to do. That's something that has to do with something outside of them, mm. you know, or you want to travel more or you want to, whatever their thing is. And so did that, you know, and so most of the time I go back and I always say, did your goals change? You told me you wanted to do this because you, because when we sit down and we start talking, whether it's starting a business or fitness, one of the questions I used to ask quite often, let's say it was a fitness goal and somebody's like, Jimmy, I, I really want to lose 25 pounds. My follow-up question would always be, what does your life look like 25 pounds from now that you feel like you can't do now? And you'd get some really interesting answers about, and the same thing with people that wanted to earn money. Jimmy, if I can just earn an extra thousand dollars a month. Okay. So what does life look like a thousand dollars? And so then you had to, because then you're tying the money or you're tying the weight loss to what the result is, not just this, this random number, right? It's like, cool. What does life look like a thousand dollars a month from now? And then they would start talking about, well, I could pay off this bill or this piece of a relationship would be better, or I could help this part, or I won't have the stress of this car, you know? And so when we start digging a little more, um, and as long as that relationship is being allowed to dig, but it, it was, it was once I started letting mentors push me, not out of hatred, not out of like this, like, it's not this like Friday night lights, like high school football coaches, just yelling at people, yeah. but really challenge me because they're like, Hey, number one, you, you came to me asking for help and B, if we're going to get the places you want to go, we're going to have to do some things you haven't done before, you know, and that's the only way we continue to grow is to continue to step outside of that comfort zone. 1% every day, celebrate, pat our leg. I was a badass today. Cool. How do I grow 1% from badass today to badass tomorrow? Right? Yeah. And if you have to take a rest, looking back down that mountain, and saying, okay, look at all that badass taps you've been doing. Yeah. You can take a break if you need to for that slight day. And I always say, 
like there was one day, I think the very first day of, of New Year's, January 1st to this year, I lost my cat, got out. So, you um, know, I was in a stress situation. I didn't get a lot of sleep. And I took the entire day on January 1st to rest. Mm-hmm. And I woke up at 6.30 PM and I'm like, wow, I, I just blew it. I just ruined the entire year of 22 because I was just resting. And I actually came out of my Instagram story and talked about it and was like, I was getting down on myself because I do want to get 1% better. I actually Mm -hmm. use that exact same phrase. And I said to me, looking back at it, for me to give myself grace, I have been nonstop going since the beginning of December. Right. That this me resting today is me getting 1% better because tomorrow I'm going to be well rested and I'm going to kick fucking ass. Yeah, because what you had, and you said it so well, because of what you had done up to that week before, one, one of the next year, there's nothing special about that date, mm-hmm. right? And so if you were already creating momentum for yourself the last two weeks of December, then yeah. And, and again, it, it's that all or nothing trap we tend to fall into. It's like, oh, the symbolic part of January 1st, it needs to be this kick-ass day. No, if you'd been busting your ass for two weeks and it needed to be that recovery day, then it was the perfect thing you did that day to get one per- because you do have, there is an ebb and flow. It is go, 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 recover, go, 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 recover. You know, I, and I know different people work in different ways, but I definitely run in sprints mm-hmm. in my work and things like this, where I'm like, I either I'm doing all the things or I get into this place where I kind of do nothing until like the next piece of inspiration mm-hmm. hits. Um, but it isn't easy for me to rest either. But, and so those times that it overtakes you, we do, we have to be very aware of that and say, okay, this is what, you, and, and I always ask myself, is this what my body needs right now? Or am I avoiding doing something? And again, it talks about this in this book. Again, it talks about how it talks about all the different ways that sleep. Cause I used to do it all the time. I would, I would be like, Oh, I'm a nap person. And I would take like an hour and a half nap every day until I real. this is when I was initially trying to start my business and trying to get out of this debt. And it was, I was introduced to this book and I was like, oh, I'm using sleep as an avoidance mechanism. I'm telling myself I'm so exhausted. And it was just this habit I'd gotten into. So I had to figure out, okay, here's where I really do need to rest and make sure that I'm recovering. And here are places that I need extra rest is a way to hide from moving forward in some ways also. How did you get out of that habit then of of taking naps, of, of avoiding that type of proactivity? Yeah. So, and that's a great question. So it first, it was like cutting it in half, right? Instead Mm -hmm. of taking an hour, an hour and a half nap, I would, I would make these, these kind of bargains with myself. So I remember at the time I was thinking it was the first time I was trying to learn how to create my first blog. And back then, like trying to learn WordPress and it's so much easier now. It was all such a pain in the ass back then. (laughs) And so, so I'd give myself, okay, you have to get these three things done and then you can go go take a little break, go, you know, rest your eyes or whatever you want to do. And so I just had to start negotiating with myself of like, I, it was literally, and it, like when he talks about in the book, he talks about how many, he'd make himself write 10 pages every day as a writer. And he said, there's nothing more intimidating than sitting there and looking at a blank page when you got nothing. And so he would make himself literally write, I have nothing, I have nothing. Even that's what he filled up three pages with because he said, inevitably something else would come out of his pen, Right. Um, and so I think for me, it was that idea of, okay, even if it's like the worst version of whatever it is I was going to do that day, done is better than perfect. Right. And momentum is always messy. And so it was just being willing to, to do it messy. Would you consider yourself a perfectionist? No, I have a very high standard for myself, okay. but I think perfectionism is again, it's perfectionism it disguises itself as avoidance. It's disguising mm-hmm. itself uh, as not, again, it's, it's this real noble thing. Well, if I can't do, I, it's not perfect and I'm not particularly ready. It's just a way that we can disguise our fear and feel better about it. You know, I, just, I really think perfectionism is uh, procrastination in disguise. Yeah, and, and I, so- I'm, I'm talking to a friend right now about, about his goals and perfection. He's like, I need to have a perfect reel before I post it. If that's one or twice, one or two times a month, that's all I'm going to do. And I'm like, but it's not about 
putting out a perfect product. It's yeah. about what you have to share, which is incredible. And we had a two hour conversation about it and he's only going to post two. So, I mean, I guess like, what advice would you give to someone on that? Like, yeah. how do you put yourself out there? Okay. So I get that part. So I did this with my YouTube channel. I've done it with my social media post. In fact, I, I've been going through it a lot lately because like my Instagram stuff's all over the map as far as like <laughs> crickets or this one were, and I can't, I can't find like a consistency with it. Right. And so, uh, my dear friend, Brock Johnson is great at this. Right. And, and he's such a great follow about things. And he said, and he talks about this a lot about quality over quantity. Mm -hmm. And he's like, he goes, look at every one of those social media posts as a lottery ticket. And he's like, you just never know which one's going to go out. And it isn't about making it perfect. So to your friend, and I've done this before, let's say you wait until it's flipping perfect. I've done this with YouTube things because my, the performer in me wants everything to be like an Oscar award-winning movie or like a Broadway show, right? And let's say it finally is whatever your version of perfect is and you put it up. And for whatever reason, the algorithm just don't like it. Okay, so you did all of this work and put so much pressure on this one post and it tanked and you got to do that twice. Whereas in you could... And I think we've all done this. It's nine times out of 10, the post you think is kind of shitty or you put not a whole lot of thought into that for whatever reason, the Instagram gods love that one mm -hmm. or the YouTube gods. <laughs> I have a video on my YouTube of the very first time I got like a B12 shot. I was at a, I was like at a fitness um, event that I was speaking at for my friend, mm -hmm. Angie Lee, right? And they had like this expo up and it was like this B12 and all these vitamins, they were doing IVs and shot. And they literally have a video of me getting a shot in the ass. And <laughs> it's a silly little video. And the, you know, the, the, there's no call to action. It's not going to build my business or my email list. And I think the thumbnail is like this, the, my videographer buddy took a funny picture of me and it says like, she shot what in my butt or whatever. And it like, <laughs> got, um, I mean, so many views for my channel and the things where I'm like dropping serious knowledge is going to change people's lives. <laughs> yeah. Nothing. No, but sometimes people will find you because of the stupid one and then go down the rabbit hole of your actual content. So I, I just think done is better than perfect. And it's easy. I I'm on the verge of about to launching my first, uh, storytelling course to help people. And this thing should have been out three years ago. So I, it's not that a lot of times I get really passionate about certain topics because I'm talking to people about the same shit I still struggle with. I tell people I am so addicted to personal growth and my own education that I teach out of the overflow of what I'm learning at the moment. I teach out of the overflow of what I'm doing. Specifically, if I put it off and then I finally take action, I'm like, oh my gosh, this stuff does work. Then I do get really animated because I'm like, don't make the mistake I made. Don't waste all that time. You know, you don't get that back. Yeah. And if you're putting all the work in, what's stopping you from putting that out? And like you're re you're you're teaching yourself in different ways. You're learning yeah. the information and then you're teaching other people. And yeah. that's like instilling that knowledge in so many different ways that it will excel you, in my yeah. opinion, so much farther. And it's this idea of like learn. I always say learn, do, tweak, right? You're gonna mm -hmm. learn something. And this is something I, I don't know where this happened early on, but I do put things into action pretty damn fast. Mm -hmm. And I feel like in this information age, we want to sit and watch four YouTube videos and listen to three podcasts and read eight books. And, I, and again, nobody is more addicted to personal development and learning than I am. But there are two types of knowledge. There's learned knowledge and there's applied knowledge. So perfect example. Remember a few years ago, a bunch of my buddies are killer skiers and snowboarders. I am not good at all. I don't like cold weather. I lived in New York City for four years. The reason I moved back to Dallas was it was just too damn cold, right? Yeah. And, but they invite me to go snowboarding. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'll go. And it was just because it, I'm just a social creature. And I'm like, oh, we're going to Whistler, Canada. They got cool nightlife there. So I spend hours literally on YouTube watching snowboarding tutorial videos learning everything I can and watching all the videos and seeing how awesome Sean White is and all these people. Do you feel like I learn more in that or in the first 10 minutes of busting my ass actually getting on a board? And it was the action part. Yeah. You know, when, when I work with people in my workshops, I always joke at the end and I say, the person that goes and messes this up first wins. And I say that because you have to take action to go mess it up. The person that thinks about it some more 
doesn't win, never puts it out there. And so that's the same thing I would tell your friend, you know, it's like you, you know, you're too perfect post in a month, you're never going to gain any momentum with that. And you put so much pressure on you for it to be perfect that, and what is perfect? Like, you don't know what that is. It's, it's your version. It's some made up thing in your head. And most of the time, whatever we're going to do is never going to be perfect. You know, most artists will tell you like their most popular painting. They're like, yeah, I just don't love it. I, I can't tell you how many singers that I think are brilliant. Don't like listening to themselves sing. Some of the people that I know with the most ridiculous bodies in the world have the biggest hangups about their bodies. Like it's just we look at their whatever they're doing as perfect and great and worthy, but they don't, but they're still putting themselves out there anyway. And they're just figuring it out by taking action. Yeah. And something I'd really like to say, whether it's a client or a, a friend or anyone, an artist, I wish you could see yourself or your work through my lens. Dude, oh my God, right? And it's so powerful. And I, I literally said this today, again, while I was driving here and saying how, like I told a client that the other day where they were, they're talking about how they don't feel well, they don't feel that great about themselves. And, you know, they wish they could be farther. Mm. And I like kind of got a little teary eyed and I'm just like, yo, you are incredible. And you have done so much for yourself. I wish you could see and feel how you make me feel. And and how incredible of a journey that you've already had and where you're going to go from here. It's, it literally goes back to the analogy of like, hey, can we just park a pup tent right here on the mountain and look mm -hmm. at how far we've come for a minute? Right. And there's always that. There's always the time on a hike where you stop and you overlook this scene and you're like, wow, this is gorgeous. Let's take all this in. Knowing you're still not to the summit yet, but you're right. like, let's stop right here just for a second and look at how awesome this is. And look how flipping far we've come, you know? Yeah. And so I think that was great that you took that time because, you know, it is this balance. And I, I, it, it keeps coming up in conversation with me. I was like, I absolutely love the version of me today. And I'm going to wake up tomorrow excited to chase some other version of me. And, and I was on a podcast the other day and somebody asked me, so Jimmy, what keeps you motivated? What keeps you going? And I think specifically like in fitness, right? I, I'd always work with people that were trying to reclaim some former version of themselves, right? Mm -hmm. So they had peaked in high school, they were super ripped and hot and things were going well in college or their early 20s or wherever they were. And I was like, oh yeah, all those years sucked for me. So I was never trying to reclaim some version of me. So I feel like I've always been chasing some version of me I've never seen. Mm. So I'm like, so what is that? And I remember as a kid being told how much potential I had. And I know they meant that as a compliment, but it always has haunted me my whole life. Cause I'm like, what if I don't reach that potential? What there's still so much thing. I mean, I just had a birthday two days after Christmas and there's so many things that I'm like, I haven't done yet. Or I feel like I'm still getting started or I'm like, shit, I, there's more in me than this, you know? And there's, there's other shows, there's other opportunities. That's why I love things like this. Cause I'm like, I know my gift is in speaking. I know my gift is to get in. I am living out what first grade little fat Jimmy wanted to do was be in front of people and get an emotional response. And, but I'm chasing this version of me. In fact, I heard Matthew McConaughey talk about this, where he was asked like at 15, who's your hero. And he's like, give me a few days to think about that. And he comes back to his buddy and he's like, Oh, I know my hero is me 10 years from now. And so 10 years later, that same friend goes, cool. So are you your hero now? He's like, not even close. My hero's me 10 years from now. He's like, I'll never be my hero. And I feel I can completely relate with that. And I'm okay with that because there's a lot of things that I pat the hell out of my leg about that I'm just like, Jimmy, you fucking rock in this area and a badass here and there. But there's still stuff that I'm like, but here's where you're dogging it, dude. Here's areas you know you could be showing up more powerfully and you don't and you hide behind perfectionism. You hide behind, I'm too busy. You hide behind all these things that we've talked about, every, when you progress, you will find different versions of the same shit you struggle with now. It'll just be the, it's like in a video game. It's like the next level. It's the next boss, right? It's like Mario brothers. Like you're going to hit Bowser again. <laughs> he's just going to look different, but he's kind of, kind of have the same characteristics, you know? And it's going to be a little bit harder because every time you hit the next level, it gets a little harder, but you still have those skills, but you have to push past that. You have to yeah. hit Bowser a little bit harder. And I mean, I struggle with that every single day. It's like, you know, I'm 1% better, but now I'm still like, 
okay, and well, now I got to fight Bowser all over again yeah. in, in that sense. The nice thing about once you've had to fight Bowser, I love the fact that this is the analogy. We've created <laughs> I love analogies. <laughs> um, but the nice thing about it, even though you have to keep fighting him when you beat him before and you recognize how that resistance may hide itself. You're like, nope, I've done this before. This is me avoiding this. This is me putting, this is me trying to think it has to be perfect. This is me letting my fear, this is me caring about what other people think. Whatever that bugaboo had been before, that first time you, once you get past level one and you get to level two or you get to level three, you start, it doesn't make it any necessarily easier, but at least you can recognize the pattern. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can dive deeper into it each time. And even if, you know, you say the potential and I'll go to another analogy before we wrap up, it's like, you know, we're climbing Mount Everest and that mm-hmm. may take our entire life to do so. It will take our entire life, but every single step, every climb you make, every camp you set up, you are reaching your new potential every single time. And that is powerful. That is. Ah, it's good stuff. Yeah. And like, and and I I think, you know, as we wrap up, this is, I, I go back to my, one of my acting mentors really challenged me and little did he know this would apply to so many places in my life. He said, Jimmy, you're never going to be fully happy and satisfied until you learn to fall in love with the process more than the performance. And it was that grind of showing up in acting classes. It was the grind of, it was the process of figuring it out. And I did in my acting career, I was like, oh, rehearsals and all that stuff, trying to figure out who this character was, ended up being way more rewarding than when you were finally, once you, once the show was up, you couldn't continue to grow that character anymore. Like you had to lock something in, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, yes, you got the applause from the audience, but it was way more rewarding in the process. And somewhere along the way, this idea of getting 1% better, I have fallen in love with the process. I will fall in love with getting up in the morning and finding an audio for me to listen to and sending it to you guys. And the work, I know my workout tomorrow, it's going to get me way out of my comfort zone. It did today because I allow people to push me, whether that's my trainer or whatever I'm doing. I have business mentors that are checking in and like, hey, you know, I got a meeting tomorrow with a guy that's going to help me get this course out into the world. And he's going to push me and be like, hey, this needs to be better or whatever. And it's just falling in love with the grind as opposed to looking at it as punishment. And I think too many people think this idea of personal growth, well, it must mean something so wrong with me. So I must be such a bad person if I need to grow. And that's not it. It's the opportunity. Like we're the only creature, we're the only thing on earth that never, that doesn't grow to its full potential. A tree grows as tall as it can, and human beings don't over and over again. However, we're also the only creature that can change and put in extra effort at any moment also. So what you have always done, the story that you have written up to this point does not have to be the story that you finish out life with, and we can rewrite that story. We rewrite that story every day if we choose to. I love that. And usually I, usually I ask people, what are you going to leave us with? That was pretty fucking great. That's awesome. <laughs> I do. Hey, if I can, as we're wrapping up, Take I it do away. want, I want your audience to get in on this text message service though, because yes. so what happened was I started figuring out that if I was left to my own devices in the morning, little negative Jimmy still lives in my head and he keeps chatting at me. So what I started doing was popping on YouTube, putting on some motivational something. And I found like, I literally grab it when I'm still in bed. So I found from the minute I wake up to like stumbling to the bathroom, to washing your face, to getting dressed, to your workout or your coffee or whatever, there's like this hidden, like 10, 15, 20 minutes that even in silence, we tend, because our brains are trying to protect us, it is human nature to have that negative chatter start going in your head. So I had to have something speaking life into me from the get. And so I tell people the biggest battle of my life wasn't the weight loss battle. It's the battle I choose to fight every morning with my mind. And I have to attack my mind before my mind attacks me. So what I did is I started listening to this, started sharing it with friends. Like, hey, can you just send me what you're listening to or what you're watching? And I'm like, they're not my videos. They're like, I don't care. It's working for you. You send it to me. So I created this text message service. So for those of you listening or watching, just go to textcoachjimmy.com. It's going to pop up your messages. 
just text me the word morning and you'll get the, and it's in real time. I don't pre-do these. You'll know exactly when I woke up. Like, oh, Jimmy slept in a little bit today. <laughs> I do these in real flipping time. Just go to textcoachjimmy.com, text me the word morning and you'll get exactly how I start my day as well. Perfect. And I'll also link this into any description that we have on Spotify, Apple, and YouTube. So it'll be a really easy way to just click it and get these text messages because I can attest they do really help out by getting out of that chatter, that negative chatter that may be in your head and to really excel your day into something awesome. great. Thank you so much. This has been yes. a blast of a conversation. It's been amazing. And I want everyone to know where can they find you? Instagram, YouTube, what's the links that we can really give out to them? Yeah, the easiest place is 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 Instagram, thecoachjimmy.com. Um, I answer all my own messages and stuff. So that's the easiest way to get a hold of me. Just go to thecoachjimmy.com or at not or thecoachjimmy.com is my website. I'm thecoachjimmy at Instagram as well. Amazing. Uh, Jimmy, this has been absolutely incredible. Like I said in the very beginning, you inspire me and I knew this is going to be an inspiring conversation. And I got chills probably 20 times throughout this episode. And that means a lot for me. So I hope someone else Many other people are getting a lot out of this. And thank you so much for your time and your energy you shared with us today. Thank you. I really appreciate it. This is a blast. <sighs> Amazing. Thanks everybody for watching. That is all for Let's Chat with J-Bax. We'll catch you next time.